This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Welcome to another edition of Longhorn Blitz. Uh, today I am the official host, I guess, opening up the show because my man Jeff House on the road in New York City uh, having a good time covering Texas basketball. But I leave. he took wifey up there, uh, took the family up there, so they're going to have a little uh, vacation on top of him uh, getting some work done. But in the meantime, we got you covered on the Blitz. Of course, I am joined by our statistician, but also the drop machine extraordinaire. Uh, he is the MVP on this broadcast here at Long Run Blitz, my man Matt Buller. What's going on, brother? Oh, not much, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, we got a lot to discuss, man. We got a ton of different topics. It's crazy that it's not actually a game week, and it seems like there's more stuff for us to discuss than usually in the game week uh, broadcast. So we'll get into a ton of different things. We'll talk about the All-Big 12 teams, probably going to start there. Uh, the big the snub, heard round, Longhorn fandom, we'll get to that. Uh, also, the bowl game has been announced, the destination, and the opponent. We'll get to that coming up a little bit later on. Also, uh, Heisman. Candidates have also been announced, and no B. John Robinson there. We got to talk about that too. Uh, stat, my man Matt's got some stats for you. I got some stats. I've been doing some deep dive stuff, so we'll get into that. Um, there's also, uh, I think, a really interesting conversation developing around the transfer portal with Texas because mm-hmm. uh, they have, I think, uh, probably close to like maybe ten names total, somewhere around there, eight to yep. ten, somewhere around there. So we'll get to all of the names. As of now, that have decided they want to enter the transfer portal, have that discussion about um, what Texas needs to prioritize and emphasize in the transfer portal themselves. So we got a ton to get to, uh, not a lot of time to do it, so let's get right to it. Uh, let's talk about the All-Big 12 selections first. Uh, let's get to that, because I thought, Matt, that – and we could just start with the most obvious conversation, um, because Longhorn fans – and we thought it was too, so I apologize for misleading Longhorn fans <laughs> out there, uh, because the Longhorn Blitz podcast, I think we unanimously thought, oh, there's no question – Jalen Ford's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. There's nobody else really even in the conversation. Yeah. And next time we have a Longhorn Blitz podcast, we would be talking about Jalen Ford winning Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. That is not the case, Matt. That is not the case. Um, Felix Enudike Uzoma, uh, who was the preseason pick to be Defensive Player of the Year, uh, also wins Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12 and Defensive Lineman of the Year in the Big 12 uh, we'll give you all the other uh, selections and get to those in a second, but that's the biggest topic of discussion for Longhorn fans. They thought this was the biggest slight, and 
I, I'm not, I don't usually get out there on the grassy knoll on the Longhorn Blitz, uh, but I do love conspiracy theories. So I will jump out on the grassy knoll, which is full of Longhorn fans right now, yeah. who believe that this is somehow connected <laughs> to the grudge the Big 12 Conference has as a whole against the University of Texas for leaving or announcing they're leaving and going to the SEC. I, I don't have any proof of that. No. But I, it's a conspiracy theory. I, there are a lot of things, clues yes. and hints, suggesting that could be the case. That's yeah. all. I mean, we were talking about it in the preseason, like watch how watch how the penalties are called this season. I remember even during the Alabama game, people already getting into an uproar, and then you see <laughs> Texas and OU get called for one and two holding penalties against them the that entire is, season. That's a freaky stat. Yeah, man. it was pretty absurd. That like if absurd. you looked at the NFL, I think it was that's coming absurd, coming into this past week. In the NFL, which had played 11 games, the Bengals were the lowest in the NFL. It had, I think it was four or five. So it like doesn't even track doesn't with even the track. numbers doesn't across that board. Yeah. So, But, yeah, you're right. I See? didn't connect this to that grassy knoll, but that does fit. Oh. And, like, I mean, if you were – I'm a betting man, and I would have bet a lot of money. I would have had – if I was a handicapper, I don't even know if anybody else would be close to you the would. odds. And it shouldn't have been. But I think this – you remember back when, I guess it was in 09, the Eric Berry, Earl Thomas, Steal because Eric Berry was the preseason guy. I do and, remember this, and he ended up being. And a lot of the times, a it's preseason more, guy just by default is tracked in, and is the guy. It's really point. hard. It's like beating an incumbent. It's hard to do that it sometimes. Like a, it was like and, a lifetime achievement award for him. And uh, when you have somebody have a meteoric rise in a season, where like on the national landscape, hell, te- Texas fans didn't even know Jalen Ford was coming into the season. Mostly, like Big Twelve fans didn't. Nationally, nobody knew. So, like if you look at it that way, I could at least see how. The preseason favorite was the one that ended up that way because that's a pattern we've seen before. But if you look at production on the field, Ford was just a freak. Just a, let's talk about how egregious it was. Um, Jalen Ford became the third Longhorn to be tabbed Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week three times in a season. Mm-hmm. He joined Derek Johnson and Jackson Jeffco. Derek Johnson did it in 2004. Jeffco did it in 2013. Um, Felix and Yudiki Uzoma, good players, going to play yep. on Sundays. He did not get the award one time. Yeah. He Zero wasn't even selections there. for defensive player of the year and yet. I sorry, a defensive player of the week, I should say. Uh and yet I, I don't who votes for that. We, it reminds we, me of do Nolan we not Ryan. Vote for defensive player of the week because yeah. he found out who votes for that. To me, that's gotta be somebody within the conference. I don't yeah. know if it's coaches, I don't know if it's media, but then how does this guy get the year award? defensive player of the week three different times and and Uzoma doesn't win it at all. It reminds me of the Nolan Ryan predicament where he never won a Cy Young, but most people are like, oh, he's the best power pitcher ever. You know, like, uh, when you look yeah. at it that way, like, somehow somehow those things work out that way that it ends it, along the, the, that line. But you're right, it, the sum doesn't equal the whole of the Here are a couple other more uh, uh, random nuggets for you uh, that Longhorn fans are looking at that's got them stupefied as to how Jalen Ford uh, could get this snub or could be snubbed. Six straight games where he created a turnover, uh, four interceptions and two f- uh, fumble recoveries. By the way, his four interceptions as a linebacker ties Derrick Johnson and Tommy Novus, I believe, for a record on the 40 acres. Uh, only power five player with four interceptions and three forced fumbles. He's the only FBS player with four interceptions and three forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries. And the only FBS linebacker with four interceptions. And yet, right there. Still, <laughs> doesn't win defensive well, player. And, uh, you'd be like, well, 12. is he just a modern guy? Does he? Because you see that stat with uh, four interceptions, no other linebacker having it. He's like, oh, but is he good in the run game? It's like, yeah, he was number game. one in the Big Twelve in run stop percentages according to PFF. Out of three hundred and one run defense snaps, he had thirteen percent of them were run stops, where it was a loss. 
for the or no gain for the opponent, which is third nationally of players with the same at least 300 run defense snaps, only behind Tommy Eckenberg of Ohio State, who is at 15.4, which is a crazy percentage, and James Patterson of Buffalo, who narrowly was ahead at 13.9. In the Big 12, MJ Anderson was second to him. Only 171 run defense snaps, so we're talking a lot less of snaps to be out there, and he was only at 11.1. That's 55 spots behind Jalen Ford nationally, just to show how he was a full more than a standard deviation away above of oh. the opponent. So he was the best in pass coverage, arguably a, nationally, but definitely in, in the Big Twelve defender. and as the run defender also he, in both aspects of exactly. it. He was. It, it Jalen Ford. This comes from my man Kyle Umlang. Uh Thirty-one more tackles than uh, Felix Inudiki Uzoma. Um, he had thirty-nine uh, more. Uh, assisted tackles Mm -hmm. he had 70 more total tackles um and he had one more forced fumble two more force uh sorry recover fumble recoveries than felix in udiki uzoma really the only two stats where uh, uzoma had probably a upper hand on jalen ford were sacks and tackles for loss yeah um that's that's it He's a D lineman, so that makes yeah. sense. And those stats are. And Jalen Ford made timely plays, man. We're talking about basically plays at one game for Texas. We're talking about the K State uh, pick uh, before the half or the fumble recovery there. Same thing in the Iowa State, the fumble the recovery zone. there. And then Baylor. And then the pick, the pick in the end, in the end zone, zone was, was so huge. big. Uh, then you're talking about the Baylor game, too. I mean, you're talking about plays that were game changing. Texas is a six win team. Yeah. Without Jalen Ford on this roster. Hell, they might be a five-win team without him. Yeah, that streak <laughs> of a single person having that many consecutive, six consecutive games forcing a turnover, like that's something you don't – I would exaggerate been to say we might not see that again at Texas. Like yeah. to do that defensively I agree. is that absurd. No, no, here's something else. Jalen Ford, he's the only player in the Big 12 to put up at least 100 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, and four interceptions and three forced fumbles in a single season since 2000. Wow. Since Rod B was playing. So not only is he one of the best players in the country defensively, but you're talking about some of the things statistically that he's done we haven't seen in a couple of decades in this conference, and yet the Big 12 decides he is not fitted. He is not fitting to be the defensive player of the year, even though statistically, uh, eye tests and really impact on the game all say that Jalen Ford should have been that guy. Uh, that's why Longhorn fans are out on the grassy you knoll. I totally get it. I understand. You know, most Americans do believe, uh, the majority of Americans believe there was a, a conspiracy to assassinate JFK. Like, it's just, they've done polls on it for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Long, uh, Americans are like, nah, man, nah, we know something shady went on there. And there are two main reasons. Two main reasons. There's a Pruda film. It's number one. All right, because he was like, uh, my, the eye test. Yeah. <laughs> my, eyes, my eyes don't lie to me. I'm sorry. I, I, exactly, yeah. The eye test tells me something, right? And number two was the Warren Report, which included the magic bullet theory. Mm-hmm. And people were like, well, that don't make any sense either. <laughs> right? So to magic Long- bullet. Exactly, right? To Longhorn fans, this might as well be the Warren Report. This is yeah. Longhorn fans. This is like, oh, that don't make no sense. Oh, oh, Jalen Ford, not defense brother, makes no sense at all. You're telling me that all of those stats – Say, show that Jalen Ford's a better player. The eye test says that Jalen Ford, this year's defense on, as a defender, was a better player than Felix Inudike Uzoma, more impactful, and yet you're still going to give it to the K-State defender, to Longhorn fans. This might as well be the Zapruder film. It might as well be the Ruan report. Mm-hmm. It, all, all it does is uh, it just really feeds their distrust of the Big 12 as an institution. For sure. And, and they, then, now they, they would never trust it. And you know what, Longhorn fans? You shouldn't. Yep. And Sark, 
Sark is a smart man. He should know next season. Yes. Prepare to do battle against two opponents. Whoever's on the schedule and the 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 officiating yep. in that situation. As long as the way things, it is. We're already paranoid coming into the season. <laughs> and then you get and then you get the evidence. So then it next is. year it's yeah. gonna be like you're pointing fingers, you're gonna be seeing things possibly that aren't exactly even there. Right. But it's like, nope, you don't get the benefit of the, the doubt. <laughs> we at least didn't have evidence beforehand. We're gonna be a paranoid fan base yeah. next year. You're right. We That's always have been. We went from being a hope based fan base to a fear based fan base only because of our own production. That's true, and then man. now it's like, oh they're all out to get us. Hey, well, they're remember, always trying to screw you. Bob Bowlesby started this. He's the one that oh, jumped yeah. out on the conspir- on the grassy you know earlier. Well, he said the networks were working against the Big 12, the, yeah. the television that was working against the Big 12 and trying to dissolve the Big 12. Yeah. So, hey, if Bosby, Bo- Bo- my man Bob Bowlesby can jump out on the conspiracy theory and the grassy you know, we can do the same thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Go. I can do that. Uh, all right, so that's obviously disappointing. But here are the other uh, selections for the long ones. And by the way, I don't. that's probably the only big snub, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of them, I think, can be just a healthy debate. Offensive player of the year was Max Duggan, TCU. Could have been Bijan, but he's the best player, offensive player on the best team in the yep. Big 12. Yep. Well, I say that. They're not the Big 12 champions, but I still think they might have been the best team in the Big 12 uh, at the time. Uh, so Max Duggan, TCU, uh, QB, wins offensive player of the year. Defensive player of the year, we just talked about it. Felix Inudike Uzoma from K-State. Offensive newcomer of the year, Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma. No debate there. I think that's uh, pretty accurate. Defensive newcomer of the year, Johnny Hodges from TCU, the linebacker. Offensive freshman of the year, Richard Reese, running back from Baylor. Defensive freshman of the year, Kendall Daniels, Oklahoma State safety. Uh, special teams player of the year, Darius Davis, punt returner, kick returner from TCU. Yep. Offensive lineman of the year, Cooper Beebe from K-State. Defensive lineman of the year, uh, Felix Enudike Uzoma from K-State. And Chuck uh, Ninas, coach of the year, Sonny Dykes, TCU coach, which I think we all agree. Sonny Dykes, very deserving of that selection. Uh, first team, Max Duggan is your quarterback. Kendra Miller, TCU running back. Bijan Robinson makes it uh, for Texas as a running back. Fullback, uh, Ben Sanat of K-State. Xavier Hutchinson, wide receiver. Marvin Mims, wide receiver from Oklahoma. Quinn Johnson, wide receiver from TCU. Jatavian Sanders. Uh, JT Sanders makes it uh, for Texas as a tight end. Uh, O-lineman, Cooper Beebe, Anton Harrison, Alan Ali, uh, Steve Avila, uh, Zach Frazier, and your place kicker is Griffin Kell of TCU, and your kick returner, punt returner, is Darius Davis on offense. Any um, uh, dispute with any of those? Not really. Exactly. I mean, I'm looking at it like I think Quentin Johnston got the benefit of the doubt coming into the season because he was injured most of the year and only had really two good games this season until so. Like, I could. I would probably not have voted him in if we're going on just production this season, but he's also – if you look at NFL prospect, he's the best in the Big 12 by far. He was the incumbent yeah. type guy. He almost, it's like a, like the way Uzoma got his for being a career award. That's sort of how he got his. And then, yeah, I mean, Marvin Mims had a pretty good year, but again, I think he's just sort of grandfathered in being mm-hmm. that everybody knows how good Marvin Mims would be. Yeah. I could have seen. And this is voted on by the coaches, too, yep. just so we should say that. So um, it is the coaches. I'm with you. I. I yeah, I, I got to go back and look. I didn't watch. I didn't watch a lot of Oklahoma after Texas played them. Me either. <laughs> I did. That didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't bother to watch a ton of Oklahoma after that. I will admit that. Uh, okay, defense. Uh, Siaki Ika 
makes it on a D-line. Will McDonald, the Iowa State uh, defensive end. Siaki Ika, of course, from Baylor. Uh, Felix Inyadiki is on, of course, from K-State. Tyree Wilson. Remember, he uh, cut his season short because he wanted to focus on the NFL draft as a first-round or at least an early-round pros- uh, draft prospect for Texas Tech. Uh, Dante Steeles, yes, uh, Steeles is still He's in the still Big around. 12. <laughs> uh, but I think it's his last year. Uh, and then uh, linebackers. D. Winters, here's where the Longhorns get a lot of love. Jalen Ford makes it and DeMarvion Overshaw. Both yeah. Make it his first team, all Big Twelve linebackers. Uh, I I agree with that. I I I, I thought Jalen Ford, of course, that that goes without saying. But Demarvio and Overshone, I thought they did a lot uh, with him in terms of moving him around this year, uh, and I thought it helped him out. It's probably going to help out his draft prospects too, but moving him around to the edge a little bit. Of course, he ended up playing some off-ball linebacker, then blitzing him from different areas, even in the interior. I like the way they used Demo this year. He was they wasn't as as static. Uh, with the way that they wanted to utilize him, I thought they should. You know, if he is a if he's a unicorn and he's mm-hmm. a freak, well, use him like that. Right? Yep. If he's an outlier, use him in that way. And I thought they did a better job of that this year. Yep. And Jalen Ford sort of allowed him to be unlocked in that situation to where you can play him where you're able to play him. Mm-hmm. Like Jalen Ford being yep. the type of linebacker he is allows you to use the strengths of Overshone where he needed to. And if you look at the numbers, uh, one that really stood out to me because we talked about how good Overshone was uh, in pass rush situations. And if you look at at least 80 pass rush snaps on the defense, Defense uh, across the Big 12, only one player ahead of Demarion Overshone. He was second in the Big 12 and 31st nationally with the pass rush productivity, which is pressure created on a per snap basis hmm. of 12.5. And he was behind D winners of TCU, who was at 14. Point eight, and that's the only guy he was behind. And to rank that high nationally was really impressive, and just shows his natural ability. Yeah. You know, if you're just able to get him to go out and chase the football. Yep, I agree. Just wanted to put him in space. Yep, I think they did a good job of that. He was uh, like uh, our poor man's version of a Michael P- Parsons, like being a guy. No, that it is you, exactly right. It, like, that's what totally he did, agree. and moved him over, and allows him to play in a situation that's going to give him more upside and your team yeah. defense more he's upside. He's a positionless football guy, and they tried mm-hmm. to pigeonhole him into a position. Yep. I think no, he's a great. Football player, think about put him in a chase from safety to now yeah. he's an elite pass rusher. Exactly, put him in a chase position as much as possible. Yep. That's when he's at his best. And I think they did a good job of that by putting him on the edge. Uh, Kobe Bryant, the Kansas uh, DB, makes it. Uh, Julius Brents, K State DB. Jason Taylor, the second. That guy's gonna play on Sundays. Oklahoma State DB. Uh, and the two corners from TCU, Trevius Hodges, Tomlinson, and Josh Newton, both make it. Now I agree with that. Uh, Michael Turk, Oklahoma uh, punter, makes it on the first team. And that's your first team right there. Uh, that's it. The Longhorns, uh, they do have some rep- more representation on the on the offense, but on the defense, you got your two linebackers. I was a little surprised you didn't get a D, one D lineman uh, along with that group, but Kendra Colburn did make the second team, uh, all Big 12 team, um, and he was uh, the only Longhorn to make the second team, all Big 12 defense. None of the other defensive linemen made it, even though Texas – Tied in the Big 12 in sacks. Yep. And also, I believe, one of the leaders in prey. You've got to be leading the Big 12 in pressures, too. At least one of the leaders. As a team, yeah. Were top and, 10. And that's where, like, we, we sort of talked about it coming into the season that, you know, like, this is going to be sort of a platooning unit, but that they could be really successful. So it makes sense in individual awards that you don't have one guy. Because, I mean, a lot of these come down to counting stats. And I agree who have, Especially when you look at the voting, just the highest accumulation. And Texas is not going to have that. But if you look at, say, per snap base, had some guys that had some elite tools. So You're right it, about it's that. one that you can definitely put on the film and the NFL will notice which players are good and the recruits will see how players were used and you don't necessarily have to point to a guy saying, oh, well, he got the all-conference accolades. I totally agree with you on that too. I mean, Texas, 
Uh, you're talking about one of the deepest interior D-lines in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they proved that, especially how stout they were against the run all year long. For sure. Um, and that was probably the most consistent part of this defense. On the second team as well for Texas, Xavier, Xavier Worthy makes it uh, as a wide receiver. Yep. And um, his number's way down also the same way I sort of said about Johnston, so it makes sense that he also doesn't get you know that boost up to the first team. He didn't necessarily yeah, deserve it. Can, yeah, exactly. Too much regression. When you look him. at it, yeah, still really impressive in regards to how many times he got in the end zone or on a per-reception basis, yeah. but overall the consistency really wasn't there. It wasn't. Totally agree. Uh, speaking of someone who was very consistent all year, probably could have been a first-teamer here is Kelvin Banks. Mm-hmm. He makes it a second-team offensive yeah, tackle. I think exactly. I think that's, that's why insane. he didn't make it. I think they're like, man, we he's a freshman. We know he's going to be on this damn team for at least two more years So he decides yeah. he wants to go pro. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was just that spectacular. You could easily have made an argument for him to be first team. I understand because he's a true freshman why they didn't put him on the first team. I think that would have yeah. been the case in any conference in the country, actually, too. Most it's likely. Kind of what they try to how do. How conference awards happen in coaches, co- yeah. career accomplishment type things. Exactly. But, like, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I don't remember Texas having an offensive lineman like him other than Woo. you could say maybe Blaylock, whenever Blaylock was that young as an all-conference type guy. But he still had some time to wait. He wasn't just thrown in game one and being like, hey, you got to be the linchpin of this O-line. Unbelievable. Against, yeah. And his, his second game against Bama? Yeah, and I, <laughs> I pulled out some numbers, too, and uh, I'll get further into it when we talk maybe about uh, quarterback and other positions. But when you look at just uh, loud pressures from the left side of the Texas offensive line, really elite. It's like nobody allowing more than 13% of the pressures that came across the board for the entire offense coming from that left side of the offensive line. And they combined for 27.2 if you even throw center into it. And three equal up to just barely 50%. You're talking about three of the five players right there. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I mean, for Texas to be able to build around that yeah. linchpin on the old line for the next two years at least, I mean, it is as a uh, first, as a luxury. Uh, for te- first world luxury for Texas, and, and I forty-one percent of the pressures came from center, allowed pre- uh, left guard and left tackle. So if you're talking, you're talking about sixty percent of your players allowing just forty percent. And how many came impact. from that left tackle? Well, left tackle was only twelve percent. The hole wow. was the right guard at thirty-two percent. Wow. And but I mean, we sort of saw that, and it's why we even heard flood at the beginning of the year saying he likes to put his young players on different sides. So you sort of knew, you know, that we have a freshman on the right okay. guard and you have a freshman on left tackle and Kelvin Banks was the one that was expected to be the elite player yep. coming in even though Hudson and like you've had good production at times across the line you knew Banks was the one that was sort of above the rest of the crew yeah well that proved to be accurate mm-hmm. no question about it It came to fruition uh, and that pretty much is the representation I, I thought Jade Barron might get some love he did not he got some honorable mention love yeah, uh, they did give him some love as an honorable mention defender, uh, but that's uh, I mean that's that that's pretty much it with Texas representation on the All Big Twelve team. Yeah, and him being a young guy, as you were sort of referencing, may be the reason why he didn't necessarily get those accolades. But when you see his counting stats this year and going into next year, I would predict that he may be on some preseason All Big Twelve teams, but not necessarily be getting that yet. But then once you get on that preseason list, as we spoke about, you're probably going to be an incumbent to hold on to that. That spot the rest point. of the way. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. That's why it ends up being kind of a career mm-hmm. award sometimes or yep. a career recognition. Eric Berry factor, as uh, I will always yeah. call it. Oh, man, yeah. How did Earl Thomas not win that award? The Thorpe Come Award, on, yeah. That was what the most the absurd DB year. That was ridiculous. Uh, okay, uh, that's enough about the All-Big 12 team. 
Uh, let's get you know what since we're talking about award selection, you might as well just jump right to the Heisman since we're always in that mode mm-hmm. <laughs> about recognition. They did announce the four Heisman finalists and Bijan, who we all believe is one of the best players in the country, definitely mm-hmm. the best running back in the country, uh, would not recognize as a finalist uh, for the Heisman. You have Max Duggan, I think his gutsy performance in the Big Twelve title game almost left, almost died on the field. Almost down the field. I mean, talk about <laughs> testicular fortitude. It's the idea that the even, closest I've seen a human to like just oh, passing out of. He couldn't even celebrate with his team. Yeah, get, like, away from, get away from me! I, I can't. I Y'all win. are sucking energy. And from honestly, since this is what we're talking about, it sidebar. I'm a little disappointed. Love Sonny Dykes. I think they've did a great job uh, so far uh, since he joined the uh, TC Horn Frogs. But I'm going to be critical here. Man, to not try one quarterback sneak. On third and four. I would use that timeout that you have. If you need to rest him, use that timeout that and you get in overtime. He's your best player. He's wheeling you yes. to the promise. What did the late great D. Karaze dance with what brung you? Exactly. He's wheeling you to win. He's giving it to you. I mean, to me, I would have put the ball in your best player's hands. I'd have told uh, Kendra uh, Miller and whoever the other running back was behind him, push. grab a butt cheek yep. and push, and we going. Oh, push, you got it. push. Pray until something happens. So everybody pray and push. We going. Yep, and Grab it's crazy. We going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the bush push. You do right, whatever exactly. you do. And, like, it's awesome to see back-to-back seasons that the Big 12 championship literally comes down goal to a goal line, line yeah. stand and run. Cool. It's pretty crazy. Cool. Like, I, I couldn't believe when I was watching this. I was yeah. like, these are the type of things that they wouldn't even allow you to write into a script because they're Good like, point. no, games don't end that way except for the championship game back-to-back years. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Great in the conference point. we've talked about has evolved Great into the being – the defense, one of the best mm-hmm. defensive conferences and in the and Big football. That's what short yardage goal line is about. It's all about it. And it, it totally, oh, everybody's like, oh, it's just another Big 12 game. It's like, have y'all watched these conference championship games? They're stuffing them at the line. I know. They, people still say the Big 12 is a, you know, kind of a pace and yep. space league. And it's a spread league. And they, you're not it, watching the, the Big 12. That's what the Pac-12 is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They think the Big 12 now is what the Pac-12 still is. It's not at all. Uh, just real quick, since we're talking about it, I always love this stat. You've heard it too, Matt. Uh, and it's an NFL stat, not a college stat, but it still goes to quarterback sneaks, mm-hmm. quarterback rushing production in short yardage situations uh, since 2015. One to three yards to go to convert, 78% conversion rate. Yeah. When basically quarterback sneaks. It's I, like, well, I, I don't know why people try to overthink it. Like my mm-hmm. man Jeff says, football is a simple game complicated by simple men. Yes. What are you doing, dude? Just, just, just go quarterback sneak, grab a butt cheek, let's go. Mm-hmm. It's good. You're going to get the – they need like a, what, a couple of – like a couple of feet, maybe like a. That, yeah, it wasn't because they actually What's did. Whole yard? They reviewed that uh, run because Doug and thought, or Doogie yeah, thought on he the got in. Down. Like he thought he got in, he almost did. They marked it at the one, reviewed it. It should have been maybe at like an inch or it, two. Yeah, exactly. But they moved it up to where the football's length was inside the one, so he still had like two oh. feet to go or something. Dude. But still, it's the same thing. Like I remember, we always would reference. I used to have the numbers right in front of me, but how Tom Brady's the best converter oh, in the history of football. It's like he had been at eighty-five percent or something. Yeah, yeah I got. I can find it on here. Cause and I then because this, this year in the NFL, Jalen Hurts and Eagles had been perfect. In those scenarios, and they went with Hertz, and it was eighty four percent. Yeah, for, okay, he maybe went down at he his old down, age. Dropped down a little bit. One yeah, percent yeah. at his forty five right, But this is a little ultra. This is like uh, maybe a year old too, so he yeah. could be different now. But eighty four percent. He's Adam so here. damn good yeah. at doing it, and he was the best in the league. I know that. Yeah, Drew Brees at ninety three percent. Oh wow! On quarterback sneaks like that, that's impressive. Exactly, Patrick Mahomes ninety one percent. 
Ben Roethlisberger was at 91%. I mean, it's, They all learned that once they realize Brady's the best at doing this, then it's like, okay, everybody in the league just yeah. do it going forward. Matt Stafford, know, 89%. Even on a full <laughs> yard to go on third yeah. and one or fourth and one, uh, the Eagles had been perfect all season long until last week. They actually went out there and did what we say they should have done with TCU, and they finally got stopped on third and on fourth on back-to-back plays. Oh, so that's just when the numbers run. nerds are like, oh, no, it's supposed to, <laughs> if you do it both times, it's supposed to work once. Yeah. It's the idea of the two-point conversion in analytics along those lines. So at least there was one time where it finally failed the Eagles this season. Yeah, especially with Jalen Hurts. That, that's, I that think he had like not failed last year or this year. It was like the first time yeah. he had ever not failed. Hey, and you know what? If I do, do it again, again. I just <laughs> And I do it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, getting back, getting back to the Heisman conversation. Um, and yeah, he probably could have kicked it on fourth down too, but their defense was not going to stop K State. No, on, not for twenty five yards. Not you weren't going to stop them. Now with Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn, and now when you're at the, the inside the one, no, you can't do that. Yeah, I, so I, I, I have no problem with them going for it. Hey, no. no guts, no glory. Okay, but uh, getting back to it, Max Duggan with that performance, that he uh, really put himself in the Heisman conversation. So he's one of the uh, finalists. Uh, also, uh, a Stroud from Ohio State, the quarterback, mm-hmm. ends up being a finalist uh, for it as well. Caleb Williams, USC quarterback, ends up being a finalist, and the one that. Shocked everybody. I think one that got Longhorn fans a little upset. Like, you didn't invite that guy. You could have invited Bijan. Um, but he is representing the number one team in the country. Yeah. Stetson Bennett makes yeah. it as a finalist. Yeah, which is yeah. Uh, it, I I mean, he's not the best player in the country. Yeah, I, I bet he would even vote. He's not even in the top five on his own team. It'd be great if he came out and he said, you know what? Is it Jalen Carter? Uh, or, yeah, Carter's Carter? the D-lineman. It'd be great if he came out he's like, honestly, the best player on our team is Jalen Carter. If anybody should have been invited but him. Yep. That would be, honestly, to, or to or throw, because honestly, what the Heisman needs now is what happened to the Academy Awards a few years ago. Some people think the Academy Awards is still a joke, but they, they with like the best picture uh, nominees, remember back before 2010, it was always like five um, big best picture nominees. Yeah, they put. And they were all up. these really pretentious films that mm-hmm. only the uh, intellectual academy insiders would choose. And like most people, are like I ain't never even seen that movie. I didn't go see that movie. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Too too highbrow. As a kid, English patient stuff. Yes, it was. Yeah, not saying it's not a good movie, but you need to throw in some other choices yes. as well, like some Relatable. some choice that's more common. Exactly right. They're more common for at least for the common man, I should say, or the common woman too. Not trying to be a sexist. Uh, and they did. They started changing it around two. 2010, they started adding more more nominees was probably the biggest thing. They, yeah. they basically went from having just five, and now they have from anywhere from eight, usually ten now. Yeah, they got to say, no, we're gonna throw ten on there, and yes, yeah, seven of them are still those really high sedity, high brow, really pretentious picks. Uh, but like three of three of them are pretty much just the popular picks. Mm-hmm. They threw Black Panther, ended up making it one year. The joke, the Joker, Joker. the latest Joker was on there. Wolf of Wall Street, Toy Story 3. <laughs> they decided, you know what? We're losing touch with the people. People yeah. think we're out of touch. We got to have some of these picks where people actually have gone to the movies and seen it. Yep. Uh, because most people haven't even seen 80% of the nominees. And I think it's actually helped make the best picture at least award a little bit more relatable yeah. and a little and I think it actually provided a little bit more credibility 
I think the Heisman needs a similar makeover to what the Academy Awards did with Best Picture. Matter of fact, just invite more people. They mm-hmm. only had four. Man, invite more. And, and, and honestly, I need a stipulation where they have to invite one defensive player a year. I know it sounds yeah. crazy, but there, you know there's a defensive player out there, at least one. Like, hey, one defensive player or give me an O-lineman. Give me an O-lineman or defensive player. You ain't got to have both, but I know there's an O-lineman out there worthy, and I know there's a defensive yep. player out there worthy, and I know I hate to put a stipulation on the Heisman, but y'all are so damn delusional yep. that we have to do this now. Because and then, the Academy Awards did it, too. They had to start uh, uh, throwing out stipulations about diversity in the, the films and things of that nature. Yeah, and demographics because they were just so delusional and so out of touch. And I'm sorry, the Heisman, that's where you are now. You're mm-hmm. so delusional. You're so out of touch. Stetson Bennett, are you serious? Yeah. Talk about losing credibility. You have totally disrespected and discredited the entire Heisman legacy with yeah. that. What are you doing? Agreed. That's crazy, yes. man. And it has nothing to do with him being an overachieving walk-on. It's just if you're going by what you define as exactly. what the award is for the best player, like you said, it's impossible to sit there and think that only of the best players in football, all four are from one position. It's not what your hey, award is defined as. Exactly. And you cannot be that narrowly focused that you are excluding not only an entire side of the ball, but then in addition to that, everything that makes that one position Get all the focus. Exactly. Where I know that they like to have their stories, and it's everything's made for TV now. It's the way that the rating systems are are done. That we have this poll, and we have Tuesday night shows just to steer the direction. You got to put butts and pointless eyeballs. You can tell stories though of defensive players or of linemen. Those stories are there. You made like a blind side off of an offensive lineman. Like there's been plenty of storylines that you can find. It doesn't necessarily have to be the face of the best team and if you're going to go and do that are you just going to let in okay well who are the top four teams okay well who yeah. are the quarterbacks all right that's what we're going to do you're a glorified davy o'brien award now yep. that's all you are yeah you're a glorified davy o'brien this is when the maxwell come on, could man. come out and make themselves like actually have some credibility because like if they go and ha- i didn't I haven't even looked at their list of the who they have up for the best because they're basically what the heisman is just defined with looser different semantics but it goes to Can the defensive best players player. be up for the maxwell uh I will double check. Not saying they have because Aiden Hutchinson was up for it last year. I guess yeah, yeah. you got to be a Michigan defender. Yeah. Remember Jabril Peppers was yeah. up for it. And then Charles Woodson was the first one when we were kids. So, and he man, deserved it. He actually he did it. deserve it. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, if you're a Michigan man, I guess it helps on defense. But I'm sorry. I think at this point, like the Academy Award, they need they need to be influenced and compelled yeah. to to expand their horizons a little bit. They won't do it on their own. So I'm serious. I'd put in a stipulation. All right, every year. I need at least a, one defender or and or an offensive lineman. And then one skill guy. Uh, like a one, out of I mean, running I'm back cool receiver. I'm cool with that too. And then and just, and just say we're going we're gonna to have eight guys. We'll invite eight guys. You can still send four still, quarterbacks. Still send your four QBs, but you got to give me a little bit more diversity, man. We need This is crazy. Yeah. This is turning into just a glorified quarterback award. Come you on, can't, man. And you can't argue, oh, well, you know, we got to fly these families up and they have to stay. It's like, well, now you have six more packages to sell. The broadcast can be an hour longer and on, you'll man. make more money oh, off of that. And the ratings will be up because you'll have more fan all bases that'll be watching. All, all they try to do is create more games to get more revenue. If you add oh. more candidates, the broadcast can be longer and you can sell yeah. more Heisman ad rates. I'm sorry, at this point, yeah, because if no Destin Bennett wins, 
I'm not watching uh, the Heisman ever again. Oh, fact, I'm going to actively protest. I didn't even it. entered my mind that it's possible that he could win. You're exactly. right. If if you're right, enough, though. I'm never watching. I was I'm like, protesting. this is the token yeah. uh, SEC yep. quarterbacking exactly. champion incumbent. Right? Yeah, and I know Longhorn fans are mad that Bijan didn't get an invite. And I'll tell you this: I'm not mad that Bijan didn't get an invite. I'll tell you this: why? This is why. Because the two biggest national games of the year for Texas were Bama and TCU. And honestly, let's be honest here, Bijan was hardly a factor in either of those games. Yep. No, his numbers he, were he not was, good. He had more receiving yards, I think, in the Bama game. So he did have like 100 total yards in the Bama game with receiving and rushing. Yeah. But I think he averaged like less than three yards per carry in that game. And in the TCU game, mm-hmm. much more Sarks about, sorry, Coach Steven showed up in that uh, TCU game and Coach Steven cost my man Bijan a chance to high school. If Bijan wins that game or at least Texas wins that game, they got a chance, and this might be the case for the Oklahoma State game or the Tech game. You got a chance to play in the Big 12 title, another stage for mm-hmm. Bijan to show out on, and then maybe in that game people go, oh, this guy definitely deserves to be in the Heisman conversation. So I think not only did Texas cost themselves a chance to have a, a Heisman finalist in that Alabama game, that was more of a team effort because you got your quarterback got hurt, you got a young offensive line going against a really good defensive front. I get that. But that TCU game, man. Sark's got to feel bad because he let mm-hmm. Coach Steven, I think, cost Bijan a chance at a, at a Heisman and being a finalist there because 12 touches total yeah. in the biggest game of the year against a top five opponent. Sorry. That was a, you, hey, that was a dang coaching mistake. Yep. Now that I think game, he owns it, though. It hurt him a ton in, yeah. in that scenario. Like uh, the O line wasn't getting any push, so you knew he wasn't going to be able to run, but you wish he would have been involved in the pass game. That was one of the only games when he wasn't targeted really all in his Zero. career. Exactly. Zero targets. Which is just <laughs> absurd crazy. when you yeah. think about that. <laughs> and I bet Sark, when he looked at it afterwards, it was like, my God, I cannot believe <laughs> I just did that. <laughs> like, how did I go get through that game and not notice this? Like, that's where somebody. <laughs> on the sidelines you got to have that tally marker because you hear about yep. certain coaches like making sure that they go and have like uh, I haven't got this guy a touch yet I haven't got this oh, guy yeah, a touch right. yet yeah. and try to work them into the game plan that's when you got to have a Bijan coach it happened, like, in coach, the Baylor, it happened in the Baylor game yeah exactly remember you're right it did because yep. in the Baylor game early on he didn't have yeah, like much seven activity. touches or something yep in the it second half okay, yeah. Texas only had like 18 plays yeah. in the first half but yeah when you look at it across the board for Bijan I honestly I was hoping he'd get an invite I didn't expect him to get an invite only because the lack of team success for Texas. Like Fair if point. Texas, if he doesn't, if he has the same production against TCU, but Texas somehow wins that game and Texas is able to then go into the Big Twelve Championship game, I bet maybe he does get a benefit of the doubt and get uh, an invite. If Texas, if Texas wins ten games, you know, and is in the conversation down the stretch. But once Texas lost down the stretch, and I mean, when you fall a couple games down the stretch, that's sort of when it just got stripped away. You knew in your mind, I, I don't think he's going to get it. And then mm-hmm. he had such a huge game against Kansas, and then such a big game against he's finished so strong. There was like, ah, there's a little hope. Maybe he'll get the invite, but I think the team success is what really hurt him the most. I agree. Uh, yeah, against TCU, 12 touches, 29 yards, 2.4 yards per rush. All rushes. Nine, nine yards was his longest rush. And that was the game when Texas this we got 3.6 inches before contacted in the yeah. run game. It was 0.1 <sighs> yards that before contact to where yeah. Bijan was at least in that game now is for the season he was at 4.15 yards after contact for a career was 4.39 but in that ball game he was only getting about 2.2 after contact or 2.1 after contact. Baylor, uh, so the Alabama game was better. 
21 uh, rushes, only 57 yards, 2.7 yards per rush. He did have an 18-yard run, but then in the passing game, did a lot of damage. Three yep. receptions, 73 yards uh, against Bama. So, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. I think those two games, those were your biggest national games. Those were the highest-rated games. And Bijan was a factor, but Bijan needed to be the story, and yep. he wasn't. And adding one thing, we still view running backs through the prism of rush yards. I think if we really looked at the ability, because like Christian McCaffrey's really helped change this for a lot of people in their mind to know how you can really see the accumulation mm-hmm. of numbers, because he never gets 100 yards rushing, but he's always over 100 combined yards. And if that. you were to throw Bijan's uh, passing receiving yards on top, of his rush yards this year, and you're a guy with like 2,000 up there, then it looks really good. But when you split that up a little bit, it doesn't look as good on paper. Yeah, no, that's a good point. What um, I, I will point out, since we're talking about you know, Bijan and that TCU game and getting ready to move on here, obviously, to some other topics. But I will say Texas, now looking back on it at TCU, um, and they're in the college football playoff now, and they'll be facing Michigan, and you got Ohio State uh, facing Georgia in the college football playoff. Texas did the best job defensively against TCU all year. Oh, yeah, for sure. So Michigan's definitely the, the top game plan that Michigan's going to try to replicate mm-hmm. when they, or at least the, the film they'll be emphasizing building their game plan. It will be the Texas film. And the reason they actually can't, can't replicate what Texas did is lines of scrimmage. They got big bodies on their, on their defensive lines of scrimmage. And I think the reason Texas was able to stuff TCU for so much of that game, and obviously the dam broke at one point, was because of the interior defensive line for Texas. It is deep. It is stout. You go five deep there. Uh, and I think Michigan can replicate some of that. And Michigan has better secondary defenders in Texas, too. Yeah, so and they'll, be able, also, they'll be able to put guys in a box and play man-to-man on the, out, on the outside. Yep, and Texas was also the only team that uh, or held Bama to their fewest point total on the season. If you look at – Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was – Texas and then the they scored 30 points in every game – uh, except for against Texas and Texas A&M. And then remember last year they lost against A&M. There's something about the Texas teams this year. <laughs> it's very odd that because Aggies, Aggies' defense wasn't even that great this year. And, I mean, it's it was the odd. strength of their team. Yeah, you, know, but, you know what I think that is? I, I know, Joe, I think that's familiarity because you got the, the Aggies, which are in that conference, obviously in that division with them, but also Jimbo's familiarity with mm-hmm. Saban. And Sark. Both offensive coordinators <laughs> with them. Boom. I think that's what I think. Sabi got it. Yeah, he, had, he brought some guys over. It's got to be the familiarity. Had him that's played a strange Kirby this year, but they happened with Kirby. Yeah, the first that's assistant. a strange outlier there, but I like that. Well, and to, to add to your effect, the one team that held them to just 30. Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss. Yeah. Another former yeah, offensive it, it, coordinator me, that exactly. institutional knowledge. I, I think that's a big, big part of it, too, man. That's a great little factor right there. Uh, okay, let's talk. Okay, let me ask you this. So we're talking about Bijan really quickly. This will lead us into our bowl conversation. Does Bijan play in the bowl game? Uh, if I was advising him, I would say no. I sort of hope he doesn't, but I would love to see him do it. And if he wants to, more power to him. Get out there and go the hell off because he, if he does play against this team, I'll look at why I haven't looked at Washington's tackle numbers after last game. I know they were 100 something. They're one of the worst tackling teams in football. They can't stop the run. They're like, they're one of the targets. They're what people think of the old big 12 is what they are over in the pac 12. They finished the year, according to Bill Conley with the 59th best uh, defense and that's opponent adjusted. So it gets you above a lot of the teams that are the non P five schools, but of P five schools, they're one of the lowest and they're really bad against the run and they can't tackle anybody. So he's going to go for like 
two hundred plus total yards. If oh him and Rojo going up against them, like him and Rojo finished the year. If you look at yards after contact, Rojo was eighth in the country when you take people with the least ninety attempts. That's four point two eight yards after contact. Bijan was thirteenth with four point three nine, and only one of two backs, I believe, to have over a thousand yards after contact. Wow. It was 4.15 oh, this year. that again. That's such a great stat. I need that again. Yeah, I'm so sorry. you have on the season, Rojo, 4.28 yards after contact, a minimum of 90 attempts. He's eighth in the country. Bijan is 13th in the country. This season, 4.15 yards after contact, and he had 1,066 yards this season after contact. I know McBride, Dwayne McBride from wow. UAB, was slightly ahead of them with 1,073, wow. and I'll pull up the numbers real quick, but I believe those are the only two that had over 1,000 yards after contact this season. That is a great stat. Wow. That is mind-blowing. All right, that's perfect lead-in, Matt, to the conversation, too, about, about why. And by the way, I don't uh, think— One other guy, Carson Sorry. Steele, that big old— the red-headed fi- uh, running back of Fury for Ball State. He's in the uh, portal. Okay. Everybody wants Carson Steele because he has, like, the long thories of white guy with red hair. White and running back. People. Yes. Oh, I like that, those. That just likes to bludgeon Mac players. We like white running backs around here. White white DBs and white running backs. Bring them back. And then, oh, Minnesota's <laughs> Muhammad Ibrahim looks like those are the four that had over 1,000 yards after contact. Um. Okay, so I don't think Bijan's going to play either. I think Bijan's going to—he's already visiting with the Cowboys. You see that little report from Calvin Watkins that Bijan's visiting saw with the that Cowboys. I uh, sat down with somebody. Uh, yes. Jerry must have had him and Odell in yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So I think he wasn't I, sitting in in uh, Jerry's seats though with Odell no, last night. I don't, and I don't know what—I don't know what exactly was the purpose of the visit, but I think. Bijan needs to move on. I don't. I, I want Bijan to move on. Yeah, I, as I did too. Yeah, exactly. My thing is at this point, I want him to go to the NFL, and because I don't know what his goals are. So maybe one of his goals is to compete for a national title, win a Big Twelve title, win the Heisman, or go to New York for the Heisman. If that's his goal, then hey, man, young man, try to accomplish your goals. But yep. as a guy who's just looking at the shelf life of running backs, mm-hmm. man, you need to go to the NFL and start working on that second contract as fast as possible. There you go. Uh, I talk about uh, uh, someone who chose to forego actually to uh, come back to school um, and decide that they were going to wait on their NFL dreams was the quarterback of the Longhorns next opponent in their bowl game, which will be the Alamo Bowl. Familiar place for the Longhorns. Some call it the Sark Bowl because Sark, of course, once was the coach at Washington, but you got a lot of ties there. PK was once a defensive coordinator mm-hmm. there. Jeff Choate was once an assistant coach there with Washington. Uh, but now Washington, a 10 and 2 team playing really well. Their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., yeah. he is uh, not only playing in the bowl game, but he did make the decision or the announcement that he's coming back to school next season to play for Washington. This guy's an NFL prospect leading the country right now in passing yardage. Yeah. And they have they are unapologetic about their uh, intention to throw the football. Oh, yeah, no, they, they are. don't give yeah, they exactly. love it. And they got two really good receivers, Roma Dunes yards. and yeah, that freshman, Jake McMillan. And, I mean, a true freshman coming in and making the type of plays he does. And it's so good to see this from Penix because Penix was uh, just uh, – because he was the quarterback of Indiana in the Big Ten, nobody paid attention to him. And he was really good there, but he yeah. blew his – had a really traumatic leg injury that, that it thought could end his you know career. Like, it was – 
really, really bad. So, like, his rehab process for him to just be able to go to Washington and win that starter job was big, and then it's really cool to see him have the health to be able to go on. But, yeah, they're, they're a, it's going to be a shootout between Texas and Washington. It's going to be a fun game. If you like watching scoring, it's going to be a lot of scoring, uh, especially yeah. if Texas can't stop the pass. Uh, and that's my concern because this guy, Michael Penix Jr., reminds me of a lot of the quarterbacks Texas faces this year mm-hmm. that have given them problems. If He's Spencer very... Sanders could throw, it's Penix. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. No, Donovan Smith-like, yep. Frank Harris-like, 100%. Bryce Young-like, guys who are mobile, who can beat you with their legs, but that's not how they want to beat you. They scramble to throw. Yeah, They keep rushed. plays alive, so they want to look downfield. Mm-hmm. That is this guy, and that's why he's dangerous. I actually would rather go up against a guy who just wants to run it. Uh, that is not Michael Penix Jr. Nope. He's got 2,000-yard receivers who both have, they're sophomores, who both have uh, 15 combined receiving touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Polk is another wide receiver for them, averaging over 17 yards per reception, six mm-hmm. touchdowns. He's a Texas product, actually. But there's a reason he is leading the country in uh, passing yardage, and he is magnificent. Listen to me. Magnificent on third downs. Yeah. Woo! They're the best third down team in the country. They're leading the country in third down conversion rate right now at 57%. But you go look at over the last month, they've gotten even better. They're basically at 64% in November. Yeah. Dude, it's um, ten, third down. They got some. He, he, he just keeps plays alive. Yep. And he's got veteran receivers. They worked a scramble drill as well as, honestly, there are like five teams in the country that I think are better at the scramble drill than Washington. That's about it. Because I think the best is probably USC and Caleb Williams. Oh, yeah. When Caleb, he starts scrambling so. around, dude, yeah. they, they know exactly where to go. It's beautiful scramble drill work. Uh, Bryce Young is great at it, too, and Alabama's really good at scramble drill. But Washington, one of the best teams I've seen at scramble drill, and that's hell on a secondary because that means you got to cover for more than your three and a half seconds. Yep. You probably got to cover for four and a half to five seconds. And we know that watching from a Donovan Smith, Frank Harris, Bryce Young, that Texas secondary can be extremely exploitable and vulnerable when they got to cover for an extended period of time. Yep. That's, by the way, that's anybody. That's not, that's not a knock on them. They're a no. good defense, but that's any secondary. Yeah, because it's that added play. It's like, all right, well, your defense won, off, and now it's off schedule. It's and two it's, different plays. Yes, it's a second <laughs> play because you have a mobile quarterback, <laughs> yeah. and you can win the play and still lose the overall result. You can win the play and lose the down. Yep, and lose the result. because <laughs> like, Coach, I had and, the coverage. Yeah, you had to cover and, four and and It's like, yeah, you got to run for three more seconds, yep. and you have to sp- – you, you think you're tired now. It's like, no, keep doing that all through the fourth quarter. Be worn down. I pulled the number. Washington is, the, according to PFF, 109 rush defense, 108th in tackling. So though, that's the combo that you want to see. Like, they can't stop anybody. If, it, if you've ever been up on the late Saturday night games, they're in one of those shootouts that you put on ESPN, and it's like 1 a.m. and they're still playing. No lie. Yeah, they start at like USC. They play for four <laughs> hours and just go back and forth. That's awesome. Um, what else? Listen, if Bijan and Rojo play, which I don't think either one of them is going to play, I think Bijan and Rojo are both going to be Jay out. Jay Brooks game. This will be exactly Jay Brooks and a Keelan Robinson game. Um, you know, Blue Jaden Blue, they'll throw him in there too. Mm-hmm. I think this will be a game for the young bucks out there. Um, and like like Bijan was against Colorado, sort of in that farewell uh, game yeah. for Tom Herman. That, he went right. off coming out party for him. Uh, so I, I think Texas, this is going to be, I'm with you, uh, I think Matt's going to be a bit of a shootout for Texas. There's no way you're going to be able to keep them from scoring because they don't care about their rush, their running game. They don't care about being balanced. No. And Texas is good at stopping the run, uh, and that's great because they can make a team one-dimensional. Washington doesn't care about being one-dimensional. Matter of fact, they're like, okay, 
Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Oh, we have no and problem that, being one dimensional. And that's the one flaw that we sort of talk about. Like, you like to have a run defense, but if you look at the NFL, how you are the architect of the best teams, a lot of them sort of neglect the run defense and they want to oh, have the best back seven. Yep. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, you can run on the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Packers or any, yeah. but they're going to make sure they lock you up on the back that's end. A great point. You have to be patient to beat them 10 times. And then if you're trying to come from behind, it doesn't matter that you have a bad run defense because you got to throw to With come back in those offense. games. Yeah. And that, and Complimentary but, football. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like they don't allow you to do that if you. I've already surged ahead with your ability to throw and stop the pass. And I just pulled Washington in coverage, 115th in the country, according to oh, PFF. I like so, these. like, if you look at those numbers, I like, like it. it's just going to be video oh, games. I love that, man. That's yep. good. So, Texas isn't. To me, Texas had a really good chance to win this game. I think they're a favorite, actually. Yeah, it's slight favorite. 37 31 would be the Vegas implied. Okay. Bill Conley has it 34 26. If Bijan Robinson plays, I think Texas is going to beat them. Actually, and yeah. I, I, not beat them, but I think they'll beat them comfortably if Bijan plays. I don't think Bijan's going to play. I don't think Rojo's going to play. Yeah. So I think you'll end up in a dogfight in the fourth quarter, honestly. Just got yeah. a lot of inexperience will be out there for Texas. Cause getting And getting to that brings us to the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, Texas, okay, let me know if you got somebody on the list, on your list, that I don't have on my list, Matt. Uh, Control Mary, that was obviously last week. Jaleel Billingsley. I don't know if he's in a portal. He's just leaving. I got. <laughs> I, I haven't seen him in. I know he's not going to be. He's the, not with the team. He's not with the team. But I don't him. know if he's in a portal. But I know he's not with the team. So let's yeah, go. Yeah. Who's not with the team or in the portal? He's not in the portal yet. Yeah, he's not in the portal yet. But he's definitely not with the team anymore. Um, that was reported. Troll Mary though, he's in a portal. Jameer Johnson, DB, he's in a portal. Hudson Card, quarterback, in the portal. Prince Dorba, a linebacker, in the portal. DJ Harris, defensive back, in the portal. Andre Carrick, offensive lineman, part of that Big Twelve package last year. In the portal, J.D. Coffey in the portal, Logan Parr, offensive lineman in the portal, Devin Richardson, linebacker in the portal. Did I miss anybody? You said D.J. Harris? Yep. Yep, yep that's it. I got those nine, okay. and Billingsy makes ten in, on my count. Yeah, yeah, they, they got ten and right it's now. It's right on par when you look. 130 teams are in uh, the Power Five, and if you look, Texas had eight guys. Now Parr made the ninth guy. If you multiply eight, Times 130, that gets you right over the 1,000 number that you're seeing people throw out mm-hmm. there, amount of players that are yep. in the portal. So they track right on about average if you look across college football. Yeah. So that's why I think the bowl game could be uh, just a little iffy just because I don't, we don't know how – actually, these aren't – Huge, uh, maybe you know, some special teamer depth. Exactly right. These aren't these. Like I said, these are, these aren't um, huge issues for Texas because the only starter is well, Andre Carrick is probably the guy that played the most because he played mm-hmm. in that six zero line package. Hudson Card, of course, are backup. So I mean, that's always really really important. So they have to figure out who the backup's going to be yep. uh, for Quinn Ewers in that bowl game. But other than that, Jaleel Billingsley, I guess you can throw out there was getting some reps as your third tight end. Yeah, for so, a few games. Yeah. So and I think maybe Prince Dorba mm-hmm. every now and then he got, got some reps the defensively. That's about it for the guys. Jameer Johnson played early, but we didn't see him late. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even write he played it. Early, I just wrote right? down Dur- uh, Dorba and Carrick. I'll pull up the snap count data. No, real but quick. he played early, but we didn't see him late in the season, so yeah. they figured out. The I think guys he that might have that redshirt year still. Like if okay. you, the players that want to stay at four or less games. Yeah. So that's it. Honestly, those were the only guys that actually saw what I thought was significant time. So these these transfer portal. Uh, Jameer at least played oh. in seven games. Okay, so say, yeah, okay. He at least go. doesn't have his redshirt year, so okay. but he's in the portal. But yeah, All right. um, yeah. So these transfer portal losses, I think they'll hurt. I think you're right. I think it's special teams probably over anything. Um, Sark's big twelve, this his big twelve O line package, the six O line package. That's probably got to change. Who's your third tight end? Probably got to figure that out. And wide receiver depth has been an issue for Texas. Um, so losing Troy Mir, I guess hurt. I guess 
for me, how this affects the bowl game. We'll talk about the transfer portal here in a second, how it affects the bowl game. I think for Texas, it, these transfer portal losses don't hurt as much as the losses you're going to lose to guys who may skip the bowl game to focus on their pro career. Yeah. So if you if you got a Keandre Coburn who decides, nah, man, I need to focus on my NFL Sweat. career. Uh, he sweat. said he, he he's said coming he back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said he's coming back. And right? after okay. that, he clarified. But I mean, he's okay. also a guy that I know that NFL scouts have been like one. And he's his older brother's playing really well in the NFL. Yeah. So he's a guy that has a future there. To where totally agree. Think about it. Yeah, no, you're right. He, yeah, I saw his joke. So I think he he's he, hinting that he's coming back. Yes. Okay, which would be oh, man, it's gonna be awesome for that Texas defense. We got time to talk about that later on. But um, yeah, so if you're just looking at you know the guys that Texas is losing to the transfer portal. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about Bijan, Rojo, Kendra Coburn, DeMarvion Overshone, Anthony Cook, I guess, is in that conversation too. Yeah, he could be. Talking about guys who are basically either done or uh, exhausted eligibility, and they decided they're going to skip the bowl game. Yeah, that might not be able to play. If that happens, then we're talking about a very interesting situation for Sark and those coaches because you're going to have to make some tough decisions in a short amount of time and some real quick evaluations on who your guys, who your starters are going to be. And we don't know what that team is going to look like. You're going to lose a ton of leadership if those guys decide not to play in the bowl game. Yep, and most big-time schools will have the same scenarios. Now, Washington, I'm not sure how many. I haven't looked at their draft-eligible guys and who may be in the same boat, but you would bet Texas probably has more of those that could possibly. So maybe a little bit more deficient. And now more that I think after I saw the clarification one from Sweat, I just was thinking maybe he was just like really drunk at a party or something. Uh, Like, I'm gone. Well, Jonathan Brooks had a little post, too. Did you see that? He's kind of, I don't know, obviously it was done in jest, and I think they're just, they're, they're now it's almost an April Fool's joke kind of thing where yeah. they're pulling I jokes on people. I see that too. Because they or know, they know, know fans are going to freak out, and they don't even read the post sometimes. They just see yeah. player with a post round transfer portal time, and they automatically go, oh, it's sort of freaking out. Who's going to run off with this? Yes. Yeah, so yep. And then now you can't just say, it. like, oh, yeah, I'm gone as if I'm exactly. you know, really drunk or something. Uh, but Texas should be comfortable in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, I love this stat. They've appeared in the Alamo Bowl more than any other program. <laughs> Uh, and their four wins are more than any other FBS program. So they've won a lot of the Alamo Bowl. It'll be basically a home field for Texas. It'll be an away game essentially for Washington because mm-hmm. they'll be so far from uh, home. And how about this? The only two losses for Washington this year, road games, both on the road versus UCLA on the road, and then losing to a bad Arizona State team Oof. on the road. So this is basically a road game for them. So that could end up being something that's advantageous to Texas too. If you lost Arizona, Arizona say you State. lost to a bad team. Because yes, they ended up firing Herm Edwards midseason. Yeah, on the field. On the field. <laughs> and you was, know what? He wasn't even upset. He no. was like, he expected he his. He patted him on. He was like, why'd y'all hire me anyways? <laughs> and then literally the next Monday, he's on ESPN. It's like him and Urban Meyer just back up there. I know, doing he's hanging out. Why, you're going to pay you know, me? Cause, you know what that means? Give me the money. Because it means he made that call a couple of weeks ago when he saw the writing on the wall. Yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, okay, let's get to uh, kind of wrapping this thing up. Okay, so our last topic, transfer portal. Uh, obviously, we just went through the guys who are in it. Uh, we don't really have a ton of time to get into these different uh, specific uh, transfer portal, I think, inquiries that Texas could be making. Yeah. Um, but we'll get into that as obviously uh, it evolves between it now on. and January 18th. Yeah, so we got a lot of this time. Window. I'll just ask you this. What positions do you think Texas is going to prioritize in the transfer portal? Because I think it's going to be off-ball linebacker number one because you got Demo leaving, and you don't even know about Jalen Ford yet. You think you know, but you don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I would go off-ball linebacker. I'd go safety because you're going to lose Anthony Cook. 
All right, at one safety, uh, you do bring back Jaron Thompson. They do, they like Taft Daddy, too, mm-hmm. um, a lot. But I think you need some depth at safety. Uh, so I think that's another spot to look at. Wide receiver, uh, I think they're bringing in some good wide receiver prospects in the recruiting class of 2023. Mm-hmm. But I can see them wanting to look at wide receiver just because they don't know who the third wide receiver was this year. Couldn't figure out who that guy was. And they've had some depth issues there with now Troy Amiri leaving. Uh, and I'd go and I look at, you know, only safety because you just had two DBs leave, Jameer yeah. Johnson and J.D. Coffey. And I look at tight end potentially. Because you lost that. your little Billingsley, your third tight end. Because Sark loves the two tight end pack. He loves yeah. 12 personnel. Gotta have that he thing. uses it f- over. He actually uses it more this year. If you count the 6-0 line package as a 12 tight end package, that's yeah. his one back, two tight ends, he uses it 41% of the time. He uses two tight ends on the field. Yeah, he could evolve to be one of those teams like you see in the NFL that have 13 personnel because oh, you can I just bludgeon people. And they really, have, when you have that top end ability to catch pass, it's what Georgia does right oh, now. Georgia when you watch, it. Notre Dame was doing it yeah, at they've one been point. Doing it. Um, I was thinking at the it. collegiate level, it actually yeah. can be more successful because of the difference in size and talent if you have a receiving and strength. Oh, at, yeah. If you can get those no few doubt. bodies and do it. But so tight end, that's where I'd be interested to see how this portal's used. I think it's going to evolve a lot more into the way the NFL draft is looked at because there's always the two predicaments of the NFL draft. Do you draft for filling a hole in area of need mm-hmm. or do you draft like, say, the Eagles have years and yeah. just go after the positions that are those most premier positions and just focus on filling and always get, bringing in elite Edge rushers and elite skills. Like, Shano does. Yep, exactly. 49ers, oh, he's going to pick a D-lineman every time yeah, in that high pick. We'll figure out how we'll to fill a hole or yeah. where they fit. <laughs> we, so I don't. Yeah. I think if you're Texas, you can be afforded that luxury where maybe you can just go after those highest top end positions and not and maybe not neglect the area of need, but just understand that you can also change positions and fill holes and you know mold around your talent once you get the roster. So it'll be different to see how. All all the other schools in different levels use it and yeah. fill those areas because I'd like to see Texas maybe adopt that and go after those most premier positions and then fill a hole. And if we're talking about filling holes, I think you mentioned the good ones with the off-ball linebacker or safety or even at wide receiver just because like, you think Nayor is going to come back and be the guy he was before, but you can't you necessarily – count yeah, on those things because we just saw what happened with O'Meary. Exactly, and Nayor being not necessarily your blue-chip young player to where like he doesn't have, like say, that the superhuman healing aspects. Who knows? We can't predict know. those you things yeah, and right. stuff. He might turn into a different player. Yep, and then, yeah. I mean, you have a guy like Worthy, but in theory, Worthy could also be, if he has a huge next year, be draft eligible also to leave because it's after yeah. year three. So like, And it's also, that's one of those high uh, premier Positions if you can get a top end receiver, just fill Premium it in. Now. So edge rusher and receiver, and then fill those different holes. You could always use a lineman or two, but yeah, that uh, additional tight end is a good idea. It seems like you have the depth at run backer, but if your premier guy wants to come and is available, you go. Eat. I mean, look what Alabama did. Their best player on offense was Gibbs by far this year. He came he from Georgia Tech. Right. You can find a top tier running back all over the place out That's there. That's true. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree with that. I think there'll be some good wideouts out there. I would say wideouts the deepest position in football, in my opinion. Yeah. Any position. That's uh, because of the proliferation of the spread offense. Uh, but Xavier Worthy, speaking of wideouts, looks like he's happy and he's coming back. Yep. To Texas. So, uh, in case people were worried about that, he's at one point he did scrub his Instagram and social media um, and took a lot of the Texas stuff down, but recently has posted uh, some 
uh, basically some photos that hint that he's not only happy, but that some of the NIL deals are also maybe back or maybe they've been re-upped and increased. We don't know for a fact. And even when we do know that all the reports now, including Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, said that, yeah, he's leaning toward coming back and that he's indeed happy now, it looks like. Yep, and the scrubbing aspect, we're going to constantly, I guess, do that going forward for the rest of life. But, like, when you look at it, he didn't necessarily scrub all the Texas players because you go look on there, there's videos of him and Quinn, like their roommates and stuff. So even though he took down the words Texas from a profile, he didn't even scrub off all the Texas players so when i heard then people saying like oh they scrubbed it's like i went to his page here's him and quinn like right there on the very Mm -hmm. front like hanging so i was like i don't think he's that mad who knows so i think it was maybe Mm -hmm. uh leverage you know using it for a a brand new ice ice style piece and chain yesterday i saw that one so looking i think he's happy to me that that looks like he bought himself unless he's number eight somewhere else so somebody got a payday that's all it did uh all right well uh okay so I think we're ready to get out of here, but a couple of nuggets I think you wanted to share, and I want to share a couple too. So that'll take a couple of minutes, and then we can uh, wrap this thing up and put it in the oven. What you got? I pulled some good numbers when you look at just uh, quarterback because like, I really think that the discussion around Quinn got exaggerated, and I've seen maybe it's just the echo chamber that you see on Twitter and yeah. in the modern culture and how worried or thinking lack of success he had. But like when you look at some of the deeper metrics and across the board, like first of all, I looked at allowed pressures by quarterbacks, and basically like. You can find the list of all the best quarterbacks that had much worse numbers than him. But like Quinn allowed pressures out of 147 qualifying quarterbacks. He was in the top 40. He was only 11.4% of the pressures that uh, were credited to him, according to PFF. And if you look across the board, people, of course, like your Stetson Bennett's or your Anthony Richardson's down to your Dylan Gabriel's and C.J. Stroud. I mean, C.J. Stroud allowed 25% of pressures to the Phoenix. Yeah, across the board. Bryce Young, because he has the ability with the legs, he was at 34% allowed to where, like, it just shows a metric that the decision-making, are you doing what the offense is asking you and getting the ball out in time? Like, we talked about even against Baylor when he took the safety, but it's time to throw like 2.21, which is elite against Alabama when he got his arm broke mm-hmm. or his shoulder broken. It was 2.22 that he got rid of the ball. Like he was still getting rid of it, and a lot of it's tied to the play caller and him and what mm-hmm. you're being asked to do and to go out and execute the offense. So then I was like, well, let's see if, how he looks at his turnover-worthy plays and his big-time throws when under pressure. Because everybody knows when you aren't under pressure, you everybody can be a good quarterback. Good. Average quarterbacks can be good. But when under pressure, how do you perform? Well, he was, I would say, elite in that regard. If you look in the Big 12, he was at 6.1 uh, big-time throws ahead of Max. Duggan, which was 5.1, down Dylan Gabriel was at 3.4, Will Howard was at 4.1, Shapin was at 3.6, Quinn 6.1, ahead of Bryce Young had 5.4% big-time throws, C.J. Stroud at 4.1, Hendon Hooker at 4.0, Cam Rising down at 3.5, Stetson Bennett down at 3.0. It was even like your Will Levis, who was hyped coming into the season, was at 2.2. Like the only quarterbacks nationally went under pressure that had more big-time throws were – Drake May, who's going to be in two years, like the first overall pick. Caleb Williams. And then you had Frank Harris, uh, UTSA. We know how good he was. Clayton Toon. And even Michael Penix Jr. was right there with Quinn with 6.3. But when you go over and then look at his kept clean rate, there are only two quarterbacks that had a better big-time throw rate 
than Quinn if you go across the board at uh, all the guys. He was second in the Big 12, and then if you add nationally in, it was Quinn's was 6.7, which ranked actually, I believe, 18th nationally. The only guy in the Big 12 better was Will Howard, was at 7.5. Drake May was 7.9, and C.J. Stroud was at 7.2. The rest were all small school guys. But you're talking about a company of being just behind Drake May, C.J. Stroud, who are going to be top you know, 10 NFL mm-hmm. picks when they come out. And in the conference, we saw how good Will Howard was. And if you look at his turnover-worthy plays when kept clean, 2.8%. It goes down, and 2.8% is elite. Also was just second in the Big 12 behind Will Howard, who was at 3.3. So, you know, like the the uh, the whole idea of an offense and it coming down to a quarterback play, it's tied so much more to play calling in your protection, mm-hmm. but the quarterback's going to get the benefit or get the blame. Yeah. And Texas wasn't good this year, and so Quinn got a lot of the blame. You get, you get all the girls, but you get all the grief. Yep, um, and Vince said it too. Yeah, and it, I think when when Sark decided to you know decrease the degree of difficulty in the passing game, yep. Uh, I do, which is what Shannon does a lot. <laughs> it's what Joe Burrow did. He, Joe Burrow didn't have any completed deep passes against the Chiefs. He took everything underneath. Exactly. They were playing too they're high. They are playing too high all yeah, the time. So, yeah. And he took it. And exactly. He, that was the big thing we were criticizing about Sark and against the, some of these three high things. He was still going he's over still, the top against Oki State and against he's teams. He's trying to force a round peg into a – he's trying to force a square peg so into a round hole. So I don't think hole. that's as much on Quinn as it is the whole – I totally agree with you. Yeah. I, I think it's more on Sark. I totally agree. I think I – think, Sark did not. Really, I think Sark did not consider the time off for Quinn and how that would de- basically debilitate his development yeah. as a quarterback. And I think it did. I think it had to be, look at Sean Watson. Yeah. Sean Watson versus the Texans. He was horrible. He looks terrible. His, his pa- He's not that bad. Percentage was seventeen percent below expected. Exactly. In when that you game. take two years off of yep. football, exactly. that's how you go look. Yep. It's just the way it is. You don't get to cultivate your craft. Same thing with Quinn Ewers. Yep. Next year, he'll look like a different quarterback. I promise and you. As a true freshman, it's, it's I, I so much was rust. so impressed with yeah, how exactly. I think he's a great quarterback. So I think I think you know they're going to be fine with that. I think when Sark decided to be stop being stubborn mm-hmm. um, with the offense and basically give his quarterback a more user friendly offense. For a freshman quarterback yeah. who hadn't played football in over a year, mm-hmm. I think he was much better. Yeah, late in the, in the season. So I think I think it's, I'm not worried about Quinn's development at all. Most low end fans are freaking out about it. I'm yeah. not. I'm worried about the offense as a whole because you don't have Bijan. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah, I'm worried Bijan about, and I'm worried about huge. all those plays that Bijan made that we all forgot about. Yeah, it was a five yard gain. It should have been a five yard loss. Yep. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and by the way, I think that you know your Jonathan Bruce can do that, but he can't do as much as Bijan. No, he can't do. Bijan did it all the time. Mm-hmm. Now your old line's going to be better, so hopefully there'll be fewer of those negative plays to worry about. Yeah. Okay. So real quick before we go, uh, yeah, put a wrap on this thing, um, and I got to tell you because I I made a statement. I think. It was like two weeks ago on Long Business. I said 12 personnel was the most effective and easily the best in terms of explosive play rate um, and yards per play, easily the best personnel package for Texas all season long. And it was until I decided to dive a little deeper and essentially extrapolate my the 21 personnel from the multi-back set. So I've been mm-hmm. keeping up with multi-back sets, but not necessarily 21 personnel because Sark uses 20 personnel, 21 personnel, 
22, 23, sometimes 30, and mm-hmm. 31 personnel. He's been getting really, really exotic with the multi-back sets, which he I love. He did 32 even, came out against Tekken exactly. 32. That's what I'm saying. He does some really free, which I like, by the way. Nobody's been a bigger advocate for more two-tailback sets than me. I've been advocating for it ever since you know, Tom Herman was here. So I went, I went and looked at just 21 personnel. Two backs, one tight end. Your two backs usually were either Rojo Bijan or Rojo and Keelan or Keelan and Bijan, some yeah. combination of those three guys. Um, and I think late in the season, there was like a couple with Jay Brooks and I remember the Kansas mm-hmm. game was blowing up, that kind of stuff. Uh, but for the most part, we're talking about those three backs, Keelan, Bijan, and Rojo. And also uh, your tight end, JT Sanders, most of the time in your 21 personnel, your two wide receivers were X-Men and Jay Witt. So you really got to consolidate all your talent, right, right there with that group. And I was shocked by how productive 21 personnel is. So I was wrong about 12 personnel being your most productive personnel package. It's actually 21 personnel. Yeah, when you divvy up the different two. When I take, when I, yeah, when I specifically extract just a 21 personnel from the multi-back sets. From all that. It is. It's 21 personnel. So uh, yards per play and 21 personnel this year, you're at 8.2 yards per play. Uh, you were at 6.4 yards per play as a team. That jumped to 8.2 when you went to specifically 21 personnel. Multi-back sets, it was at 7 yards per play, so you were still pretty good. Uh, and even 12 personnel, I thought you were, you were at 7.2. But like I said, that's your most productive personnel grouping aside from your 21 personnel. And it all makes sense. Remember I told you Sark's theme of the year was going to be present power personnel packages and pivot. pivot. To pass principles. And that's why your 21 personnel, 75% completion percentage, 11.5 yards per attempt. Yeah. Everybody's thinking run, 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 throw it. Spread them out, throw it. Did a great job. So I looked at also usage rate, like how often they did 21 personnel. You were 11, a little over 11%. Your usage of it, that's up from last year when you were at around 6%. So uh, Sark understood the assignment. Hey, I got to get my best players out there, Rojo, Bijan, and Keelan Robinson. Uh, looked at yards per rush, 21 wasn't that great. You were at 5.7 yards per rush. Overall as a team, you were at 5.3. 12 personnel, though, uh, that was probably where you did a lot of your damage in your yards per rush. You were at 6 yards per rush out of 12 personnel. I looked at yards per attempt. Uh, your best yards per attempt were out of 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. You were at over 11 yards per attempt there, uh, 11 and a half actually. Um, and with 12 personnel, you were at 9.2. As a team, you were at 7.7 uh, based on my stats. Explosive play rate, my definition of explosive play, a rush for at least 10 yards, a pass for at least 15 yards, back to Mac Brown's old definition of it. Uh, your most explosive personnel package, easily 21 personnel. You're at 23% Oof. explosive play rate out of your— That's crazy. Uh, you're at 16% overall as, a, as an offense. But you went to 23% when you went to 21 personnel. Um, 12 personnel, you were uh, t- hovering around 20% of explosive play rate. So still, which is great. Which is still really, really good. I mean, yeah. that's still really good, but nothing was even close to how explosive you were in 21 personnel. So getting back to it, I'll pat myself on the back. I've been yelling for it for three years now. Finally, a great offensive mind like Sark who decided, all right, let me maximize and weaponize my best players. 21 personnel was the best way to do it. Well, and you, I love the alliteration because it made it easy to remember early in the season with the 
you know, power packages to pivot to pass plays. And, yeah. and once I've been, because I remember we watched it like week one whenever you saw the Bills, because like, what's Joe Brady doing this year up there? Like, Joe Brady, what do you see, think of his LSU team? What are they doing more than anybody? Like, they're get, putting those 12 and 13 packages out all the time, yep. the 6 line, but also using Dalvin Cook's little brother, James Cook, mm-hmm. and having two backs back there. You see that's what you've had Aaron Rodgers have to do when he didn't have his – as many receivers with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones yeah. back there at the same time with mm-hmm. his tight ends. Andy Reid's had an infatuation with tight ends for like a decade. Yes, he yeah. plays like Fordson and Gray mm-hmm. and all these guys with Kelsey all the time. The Chargers have multiple tight ends. They're always throwing them out there. The Eagles, you go and look until Goddard yep. got hurt, they would always be throwing a second or a third guy. Nobody knew who Jack Stoll was or who Calcaterra from Oklahoma mm-hmm. is there and all these different oh, yeah. guys. But all the top offenses in the NFL are doing the same thing where they're pivoting after the power personnel and throwing for it and throwing really explosive out of it. Yeah, uh, so I, I I hope Sark sticks with it, but I will say it's probably not going to be as explosive next year. Yeah. Just because you don't have Bijan, don't have Rojo. No. So it may be something that was specific. You're still going to use it, but in terms of how explosive it was, probably specific just to this season. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And then you can keep with that just power principle where yeah. you, you might not have the skill guys necessarily that you had last year at running back, but then using tight ends or the hybrid ability oh, yeah. in the way that, like, Jordan Winton's labeled a wide receiver. In this offense, he's used a lot the way Mm -hmm. that traditional H-back tight end or a fullback or a use check and those type of guys are used from play-by-play scenarios to where you can get that same type of uh, advantage to your offense. Yep, totally agree. Um, All right, we're going to wrap this thing up. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, uh, I want to thank my man Matt for all that you do, brother. We appreciate you. Uh, Jeff will be back next uh, show. I promise you that. Um, but I want to thank thank my man Jeff. He's always here with us in spirit. I want to thank all you guys out there for listening. Uh, where can I get Longhorn Blitz, Matt? Let's Just type in Longhorn Blitz. Find it wherever you want. And thank you for standing in and doing a hell of a job always, but especially today hosting. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I appreciate you as always, my man. All right, uh, folks, join us next week, same time. Same channel, wherever you get your blitz. Uh, thanks to the folks at Horns 24-7. Thanks to the folks here at Arian for letting us use the studios. And thanks to you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Do we need to do anything else? Are we no, good? No. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.